This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Shake them ropes, Jeff Hawkins, Chris Novembrino, and special guest Garrett Kidney reviewing all the news and happenings in the WWE this week. Hi guys, how's it going? I'm part of the WWE universe now. Oh, was that to the audience? That was that was I to me. Who was I think to? it was to, to both of you, and oh. I should have, should have designated because I forgot. I have to now designate for each person. Uh, yeah, old Garrett here got a little chesty two weeks ago. Says, you know what? So many people are snarking and being negative about the WWE. I'm going to watch two weeks of WWE programming, and I'm going to find the good in it all. I'm your crusher of dreams, everybody, because I called him out on it. And then, and, then, and then he doubled down and says, man, if only somebody had a podcast where I could express my positive opinions on the WWE. And oh, on a pale horse comes riding death in the form of Jeff Hawkins. Hello, Garrett. Jeff bullied me into accountability. It's very unfair. I should have you learned your lesson. I shouldn't be held to my word. That's that's an unfair standard to hold anybody to anything. Garrett, for those who don't know who you are in the Voices of Wrestling family, how about a quick resume for some of the listeners who are more casual? Actually, I think that helps put things in context. I've seen every episode of TNA television the vast majority of which more than once, some of which more than twice. I've seen every TNA pay-per-view. I'm the, the, the resident TNA Impact guy, or I was, until I got as co-opted as co-opted can be, and then quit. <laughs> now I just kind of live in the middle ground between co-opted and quit. But I've seen every second of TNA television, and still I couldn't get through one WWE show without being broken. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was great, because last week... It's like, okay, you ready to go? Yeah, I've only watched an hour of Raw. That's all I could get through. I watched all of Raw and an hour of NXT, I'll have you know. (laughs) That was just poor time management. You should have just stayed with the original story. I think that was more flattering. It was. I watched eight. You bullied me into watching eight hours of WWE. I hope you're happy. No, this is I am. your free yeah, will. Yeah, this is great. This is yeah, no, this is, I'm doing good. You all right, buddy? <laughs> In fact, I didn't watch NXT UK because that's a fake television show. Oh, wow. It's, I don't it's know. It's not real. Mm. It's usually... Yeah, it's not like Impact. It doesn't, it doesn't meet the writing standards that Garrett's equated with. <laughs> Impact airs on Twitch, which is available everywhere in the world. Impact is technically, probably, the most available wrestling show on planet Earth. Does that mean people watch it? No. But they could. Um, how's your since since we have you on here? How do you feel about the access deal? Uh, it's better than pursued. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Like the, the a YouTube channel is better than pursued. I the mean, the narrative of the company is like, oh, we're finally gonna people are finally gonna see us. Like, access is available in fifty million homes. Pop, which they were on last year, is available in sixty-seven million homes. So it's it's a step down from Pop, but it's better than the hunting channel. <laughs> Um, I, I will also explain a term that you used because people may not get the humor in it. We do have very sophisticated listeners, but some may not. Uh, by co-opted, Garrett Kidney means he was an actual employee 
paid in actual dollars that exist by TNA Wrestling, correct? I turned obsessively watching wrestling into a full-time job. So suck at other people. And then I quit the full-time job. But (laughs) (laughs) So suck at other people. Okay. (laughs) All of you people watching wrestling obsessively and getting no money out of it. You're doing it wrong. I like this oh, guest. Chris, that's Jeff. what we're. That's, that's our problem. Oh yeah, this is. <laughs> this is also why we don't have guests every so often. Uh, <laughs> uh, I will. We're gonna have some news. Uh, John Morrison, late of the same Impact show, has signed a new deal with WWE. Uh, he is forty. He is an acquaintance of mine. I wouldn't call him a close friend, but uh, he's out here in LA and was in the improv scene for a while. I'm kind of happy for him. He gets to uh, get paid and I think this will probably be his last deal anywhere. You know, I, I don't see them doing much with him. He's going to be a mid card attraction or they could do something different and put him in NXT. I think that'd be kind of cool, but uh, I just don't see that happening. I just see him going out there, Doing his three moves, winning a match here, losing a match there. Um, Chris, what are your thoughts? I thought Johnny Mundo was really good when he was on Lucha Underground. <laughs> no, I did. I, I thought he had a number of really good yeah. matches. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think he's still got good matches left in the tank. And you're probably right. I mean, I don't think he's going to be the SmackDown or Raw champion anytime soon here. But I could definitely see him occupying a older workhorse gatekeeper spot in the middle of the card just like you described i was laughing because i forgot i have in addition to having the tna obsessive i have the lucha underground obsessive i also (laughs) hosted the only tna podcast that voices of wrestling ever put out (laughs) if you remember stipulation which i think the name alone kind of tells you how i felt about the product back then Oh, so you're more of a fan than Garrett. Is that what you're telling me? I would say so. I didn't want to get <laughs> into that with Garrett, but yeah, no, man, I really love TNA. It might def- Garrett, any thoughts on Johnny? Uh, first of all, fantasy booking. You put him on NXT, and we all know Johnny ha- has been fond of mm-hmm. taking the names of the places he works lately. Yes. So you call him Johnny Takeover and have him feud with Johnny Gargano. Simple. That was my thinking, too. I love that idea. I do. And I think he'd have a great match with, with Johnny Gargano. I think he'd have a blast doing that. It would kind of go to his more artistic innovations. But, you know, I could also just see them putting him in a feud with The Miz. Mm. Oh, they're, good. they're just going to put him with The Miz. And they're going to be, they're still going to show, like, ECW highlights of the dirt sheet from, when was that, 2012? Oh, God, 2007 is 12 years ago. Uh, but like, Johnny's a good hand. Like, he's a star. No, and you guys are thinking about this wrong. Getting paired with The Miz is a nice little meal ticket in this company. You don't have to work too hard. You're doing promos. You're getting a lot of screen time. This is exactly what John Morrison wants. Miz sneaky sneaky high on the payroll in WWE, too. It's it's amazing. Um, it It would shock some people how high on the payroll he is there so yeah i i could see any of that i mean look he has a great interest i'm also interested to see if taya gets any interest i just i don't see it happening but it is you know they do like to uh they do like to sign significant others even if they don't like to keep them she is still knockouts champion that's true she's wrestling to neil dashwood at the bound for glory so oh they could do a medusa angle (laughs) and have her throw away the belt on (laughs) wwe tv they love that angle 
one other major announcement coming out of the WWE sphere. Uh, WWE has announced their broadcast teams for our big season premieres next week. On Raw, Vic Joseph, Jerry Lawler, and Dio Madden. SmackDown, yeah. SmackDown, Michael Cole and Corey Graves with Renee Young listed as a special contributor. And NXT remains the same with Mauro Ronaldo, Beth Phoenix, and Nigel McGuinness. Not listed, Tom Phillips and Byron Saxton. I am of the opinion, I thought out of all their broadcast teams, at least the one that remained most professional and most on point and gelled fairly well was that SmackDown crew because everybody kind of knew their lanes. I mean, Corey knew he could pick on Byron. Byron knew he could do his Captain Whitebread shtick. And Tom Phillips knew when to back off and when to call the match as opposed to Raw where Corey Graves is just looking for stuff to snark on. I thought they had something with the Aiden English, Nigel McGuinness, Vic Joseph team in 205. I agree. But they broke that off. Um, no, I think I breaking see- up the Tom, Byron, Corey one is really a head scratcher because when you think about it, that is the longest running tandem that they've had as a commentary booth for the last about decade. Um, they That trio has ported from NXT to 205 Live to main event. They have been working together and they've done a bunch of shows. They are good. I mean, they're not the greatest call team ever, but as like an actual gelled team, it works a lot better than trying to reinsert inexplicably Jerry Lawler or keeping this godforsaken Beth Phoenix experiment continuing. She's actively bad. And what is Renee's role as the special contributor? Is she now just Charlie Caruso? Uh, I think it's probably going to be something more than that. I think it's probably going to be something akin to Kathy Kelly in NXT, um, but just not her in the booth. I think she might be doing like some of those backstage interviews in terms of the sit downs, not necessarily the Charlie Caruso type, you know, the more in-depth type things. I just, for me, I can't explain any positives that Jerry Lawler brings other than on this team, he's the veteran hand guiding them because he have Vic, who I think is strong. I think Vic's a strong play-by-play guy. Yeah, Vic's good. D- Dio Madden is still a wild card on commentary. We don't know if he's good or bad. He's basically done it for two weeks. It's it's Jerry Lawler. Just, he does feel like the like you plucked the two hundred five team that, as you said, has has two weeks of chemistry. You dumped them on your well. Is Raw technically still the flagship? I guess, but uh, in theory, you dumped them on your flagship, and then you're like, it, it's kind of an indication that they already don't trust them. That they're like, all right, we have to stick in with Jerry Lawler. So that they have the the guiding hand of well is I get is Jerry Lawler a guiding hand? Who could possibly say? To I don't think no. so. <laughs> I think Vince thinks so, and so I guess that's why they paired him with him. I don't get not giving Aiden a try though. Aiden's a much more stable guy on commentary, and he works really good with Vic. I I don't get giving Dio this promotion so fast. He's just gonna be calling two hundred five by himself. I it's it's more aesthetics, I think, than anything giving Dio the chance here. It's not necessarily talent. It's, hey, we have the real athlete with the football background. African-American doesn't hurt in terms of diversity. Um, And he's a good speaker. But to your point, what is coming out of his mouth is a bit of a wild card, a well-dictated wild card. 
But he's kind of all over the place still because he doesn't get calling wrestling. He doesn't get telling stories in the ring, and you'd only get that by logging the hours. Like, there's no substitution for that. And Jerry Lawler, I mean, his whole seventh grade joke book shtick, I'm just so done with it. I, I, I... You know, yelling puppies and talking about how hot women are. He's There's more problematic aspects to Jerry Lawler being on this broadcast than there are positives, in my opinion. I, I just don't see it. Aiden, though, was unbearable this week on 205 Live, Chris. So it's one of those things where you'll get weeks of him really coming into his own, and then you'll get a week like this week where he just can't stop with the Umberto Carrillo stuff. It's just it was it was he was unbearable this week. Everybody was unbearable I have a theory this week. on that. Cuz yes, that was unbearable. I think that's a thing with Aiden and Dio and maybe they don't play well together. Okay. I I fully accept that. I I think maybe Phillips and Byron are on main event. Or something. I don't know. And kept there in case they need to put or two. Well, that's that's the other news coming out. 205 Live for right now is going to Fridays in terms of both being taped and being broadcast, which Friday is a bad enough TV night here in the States. Nobody's going to be watching that on the network, and nobody's going to want to bother to want to catch up with it over the weekends. I don't think. I think. Oh, you say that, but it's the type of people who have nothing better to do but watch wrestling on the weekends who are more likely now to watch 205 Live than they were a week ago. I'm fine with folding it into NXT. I'm 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 perfectly happy with that, and they seem to be doing a lot of that with putting number one contender matches on it. Um, Yeah, I, I just. I think putting it in front of these main main roster crowds has really killed it, and they're not doing anything terribly special with it. It's just super uninspired right now. We'll get to that when we get to that particular show. But I like Mega NXT. I think Mega NXT is well-formatted. Yep, ratings are in. They dropped a bit, but they're still over a million, which is good. Um, we got some snarking back and forth between <laughs> Donovan Dijakovic and Kenny Omega. Uh... You know, some brand pride going on. I, I don't know if it helps Kenny to be kind of talking about other guys in the mid-card of NXT, but it's going to be interesting going in this week. And that brings us to the shows, which were, about, which were a heap of nothing, in my opinion. This was gruel. Here, here's some slop. It'll sustain you for a bit, but we're saving the good stuff for next week. I don't have a lot of notes on the main roster show, so I want to go to Garrett and go, Garrett, Miss Polly Positive, what what did you find that was positive on either of these shows that you really, really liked? I like the Raw main event. <laughs> That's Remind me what the Raw main event was, because I can't remember. It was remember. the, the five-way elimination, Rude, uh, Nakamura, Ray, Styles. That's not true! Oh, no, that, no, sorry. No, that was, was, yeah, that was the semi-main. I, 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 yes. I even just completely forgot that Seth Rollins and Braun Strowman even happened. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, the, the five-way elimination match was real good. That wasn't bad. I thought it was a nice time killer. But I did, I, see, to me, it's that standard multi-person WWE match where everybody hits finishers in a row and eliminates each other. You know, I, I'm interested in Rey Mysterio as number one contender, and that's kind of cool. Is he, but uh, I'm just stupid, and but, my dumb brain is like, ooh. 
on the show with with, <laughs> with with the energy levels of I don't even know what uh, to get a, like a half decent wrestling after you watch Lacey Evans poor Ember Moon have to tap out to the worst sharpshooter in the history of wrestling this week <laughs> so when you get to a, a half decent wrestling match you're like oh this is good wrestling with good professional wrestlers this should happen like twice a week on this three hour wrestling show yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. I, I I enjoyed the women's tag for what it was, um, I, but I, I am also a huge Bailey and Sasha fan, and I I find their heel dynamic as the weeks go on more and more interesting because it's almost like they're in denial. Everybody's in denial that Bailey's a heel, including Bailey herself, which I find hilarious. Um, Chris, anything on Raw that caught your fancy? It was better than SmackDown. I'll give it that. <laughs> Which was our note on SmackDown last week, which, well, it was better than Raw. Yeah, SmackDown didn't have a lot to it. It uh, That's an understatement. I guess everything, everything led up to the big angle that appears that Kevin Owens versus Shane McMahon is a loser leaves SmackDown match. Um, Actually, might be loser leaves WWE for Shane. I don't know. Uh Here's the sad thing is I could see them screwing Kevin Owens and putting him on NXT or something just to do the angle. But uh, yeah, any any matches stand out for you on this or anything positive for you for uh, Garrett? I hate it, SmackDown. <laughs> I'm not sure. Was it was I just cranky or in a bad mood? But like I got four minutes into SmackDown, which opens with this Eric Rowan promo. And he's delivering like the most stilted, overwritten WWE dialogue for this supposedly monster giant. And I'm just like, this is all just bullshit. <laughs> Why am I? If you understood this Wait. story better, Garrett, you'd actually be more angry right now. <laughs> like, uh, WWE doesn't tell stories. That's my problem with WWE. They're the stories company. They don't. They tell you what the story was meant to be. Then just go to the end and pretend they told it. Like, like. Yes. They they tell it in retrospect a lot, like the Becky Lynch babyface the man thing, which was just nothing but a bad heel turn for four weeks that they just went, oh, okay, they're going to cheer her anyways. Oh, look what we did with her. It's so great. Oh, we stuck the landing. And you're just like, no, you screwed it up. Like the, the Eric Rowe and Daniel Bryan opening match, it's a, it's a fine match. There was nothing to the most memorable thing was Daniel Bryan catching his foot in the finish. Which, by the way, doing the head claw over the ropes is a terrible idea. He has no leverage. <laughs> he has like no base to hold the man doing that. It's absurd. But like that, the entire narrative of that match, the entire time, the announcers were like, "Daniel Bryan couldn't possibly beat Eric Rowan because like one guy's big, one guy's small." Okay, but like Daniel Bryan is a what? Well, he's a f- I want to say five time WWE champion. There's I think no so. Uh, Eric Rowan, and I think he's beaten Eric Rowan before he, too. He nearly certainly has. Mm-hmm. And he's wrestling Eric Rowan, career tag team wrestler, also ran, never done anything in his life. But the announcers are like, oh, Eric Rowan's an undefeatable monster. How could how could the five-time world champion... Uh, screwed, like, thinking Daniel Bryan's a great wrestler. He is. But within WWE canon, Daniel Bryan is, like, the be- one of the best wrestlers in the company for the last five years. And the announcers on commentary are like, oh, there's no hope he can possibly beat the big monster who had to cheat to beat Roman Reigns. And I suppose, actually, last time Daniel Bryan was on TV, or last time he wrestled on TV, he lost to Buddy Murphy. So, yeah, maybe it is unbeatable. <laughs> like, this is just this is yeah, consistent I... storytelling. Not like that Buddy Murphy push went anywhere, did it? 
I haven't watched TNA in ages other than the occasional Tessa Blanchard match, but I, I don't recall since the days of Don West being this insulted by the commentary team in terms of what's going on. Is the commentary in TNA better these days with Cyrus on, on yeah, board? It's solid. It's like you you watch okay. it and it's like this is perfectly fine commentary that's not going to insult me, but I'm also never going to remember mm. it. Well, I mean, but this week on SmackDown, Garrett, you you both got a B team match, mm-hmm. which was amazing because they haven't been on TV in ages in terms of either Raw or SmackDown, and they get a <laughs> a rather lengthy match for them, and you got to see Otis Dozovich. Talk about Mandy, <laughs> Mandy Rose's Maxim Australia spread. I watched wrestling for the lawsuits, yeah. so I was really excited to see how that was going to play out. You, you didn't hear the I'm end disappointed. of disappointed. Yeah, I didn't get the follow-up on the baby drama stuff that I was hoping for on Raw, but I thought that Otis talking about this Maxim spread was a really nice way to wash down the disappointment from what I didn't get from Raw. Wait, did we not get a Mike Kanellis sighting he this got week? Killed by Chad Gable. Or am I just... Rem- That's what I remember. Yeah, yeah, we did get uh, baby drama. Yeah, but I still uh, don't know who the daddy is, and this is what's been keeping me up at night. <laughs> it's going to be Drake Maverick, or it's going to be uh, the the street prophet who is not Montez Ford. I hope it's a hand. Angelo Dawkins. I hope it's a hand. Oh, God. No. Stop. Please. <laughs> Uh, so that uh, that's our review of the main I'm, roster I'm shows. Done with Chris down. <laughs> oh, you're not. not finished with SmackDown, Jeff. I am. I, I'm sorry. I'm going to click my microphone off. Yeah. I'm going to let just Garrett run this show. Five Go minutes ahead. in the mute box for you, friend. Go ahead, Garrett. <laughs> there's there's another thing that irrationally annoyed me about this show. They were obviously going. <laughs> wait, wait, wait! No, no, no! Your gimmick is I'm going to find in the, the mute box with and everything. You. Back in the mute okay. box with you, Garrett. Go okay. ahead. I'm sorry. There's nothing good about this show. But the the, fi- the final thing on the show was was the big confrontation between Kevin Owens and Shane McMahon, and that you know their big ladder match. And they were obviously running long, so they they cut Shane accepting the challenge. You didn't even bother to see that. They cut his mic and cut backstage. And this really annoyed me because what if you I, 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 you watch more WWE than I do. Maybe you can tell me. When was the last time a WWE television program ended with just randomly cutting to an interview backstage? Jeff, go ahead. Go ahead, Jeff. Uh, would this be the, the oh, it would be the, the, the setup for the Roman who who tried to kill Roman Reigns? And I was about I was literally thing. about to go to that. Go uh, watch that Roman Reigns segment. Every single WWE backstage interview in the history of WWE for the last 20 years has started with the microphone stand lady saying, my, my guest at this time, and the person walks on from the side and cuts their two-minute promo and leaves. So when they want to set up some kind of contrived, stupid angle, they suddenly shoot Roman Reigns from behind, walking up to the interview set. And again on this show, when they wanted to set up a stupid, contrived angle where just Sasha attacks Becky Lynch backstage for no reason... They cut, they end the show just going to Becky Lynch for no reason. I hate stuff like this. Cause it, and it lingered on her and just go, ah, uh, Because uh. it's just like, 
you write this show with no regard for the audience. Like, you'd never do this. This is not established format. You're literally, like, if you're, if you're going to do that, at least have the announcers go, you know, put their finger up to their ear while they're saying, oh, there's something going on. And then you just cut to a brawl. And then it makes sense. You don't just do something that you never do just because you want to do a dumb brawl backstage. And the fact that they had to cut off Shane McMahon and Kevin Owens doing their big accepting of the challenge. This angle that's been building for two months. And it's the freaking... Will it be the main event next week? It's one of the biggest matches on their debut on broadcast television. And they cut that to go back to a pointless backstage brawl between Becky and Sasha. I hate that stuff. It's just like, pay some amount of attention to the format of your television show so that if you want to do something, it at least makes sense. You don't suddenly have Roman Reigns walking from 15 feet away toward a freaking interview when that's never been a setup. I'd like... (sighs) If you if you if you want if you want to do that, just do the my guest at this time promo and knock the stage down on him from behind. I I hate it. And don't get me started about the entire segment devoted to Chad Gable being small because you have freaking the announcers calling him small. Chad Gable comes out and says, "I may be small, but I sure do have fight." <laughs> Why did you get him started, Jeff? <laughs> I, I don't know, but he's going to be the new... He, about the Chad Gable he's going to be the new... And then you got him started on the Chad Gable segment. What is wrong with you? He's the new. He's now the new host of Shake Them Ropes starting next week. That's all I want him to do. I want him to take over now. No, continue, please, on this Chad Gable rant. I am loving like, it. The announcer's are like, oh, he's small. I'm going to make short jokes. And, like, he beats uh, Mike Kanellis in three moves. And you're like, well, at least they gave him a squash match. No, you have to have Elias, who he's not even feuding with, show up on the screen and sing a literal song about how small he is it's like what's the point and then you go back to like the underpinning of this story you're David Goliath you're big man small man the whole idea of this story is to tell you the story that uh, you you tell the audience he's small but you show him that he actually has heart they didn't even do that. He just lost the Baron Corbin. He lost the Baron Corbin in the King of the Ring final, clean as a sheet, fair and square, proving he is therefore small and less than, and small people cannot big beat big people. And that the story is still, he's small. Look at him. He's small. And they're not even good small jokes. It's just like, oh, you came up a little short there, did you? It's it's infuriating, and I hate every second of it. And why is it that I hate it? I hate it so much. <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> I I just love the the this story that's been going on on all the brands of here's a guy he fought real hard but he lost and they keep putting that over on commentary and they're never going to do anything with that ever again. Like Raul Mendoza this week. That was it was his week to say, "Man, he gave him a heck of a fight." And we won't see Raul Mendoza for four more weeks. Cedric, but, uh, Cedric Alexander. At Cedric Alexander okay. as well. The last has. two times we saw Cedric Alexander <laughs> wrestle on television, he wrestled AJ Styles in the Clash of Champions pre-show in which he got he lost the visual pin, Styles pulled him up, then Styles just beat him two minutes later, then they beat him up after the match. Following night on Raw, tag team match, AJ Styles pins him in the middle of the ring once again, and then after the match, again, Styles beats him up. So, uh, Cedric Alexander has not wrestled since then. He lost to AJ Styles once. He lost to AJ Styles a second time. Both of those times, he got beaten up. Now he's number one contender for the United States title. <laughs> Why? Get it all out, Garrett. Just, 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 we're all there for you right now. Chris, you still there? Or have you gone out for a sandwich? Oh, I'm here. I'm eating some cereal. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm he doing went a down, He made a bowl of cereal and came I, up. No, I, I, no, I was, I was on mute. Well, you know, I'm not going to eat cereal with my microphone voice on. <laughs> but uh, no, I'm having a really strong show over here. Uh, I, I too agree with Garrett. <laughs> oh, oh, Garrett, it's the feeling, and it's, it's, it. This is a group hug. This is a group hug from those of us who host a week to week show focused on WWE. <laughs> Just let the loving heal you, Garrett. Let the loving heal Let's you. Let's not even talk about The Fiend. <laughs> <laughs> oh! Man, you know, a lot of people really like The Fiend. I just think the whole thing is cheesy as hell. Everyone's loving this, except that none of the backstage promos make any sense. This is actually, remember when the fashion police were doing all the parodies, and at first it seemed like they were telling some sort of story that was kind of fun, and eventually you realized that, like, those backstage promos didn't mean anything and it lost all of its magic. That's what's eventually going to sink in with people with The Fiend. These backstage promos, these characters, they don't mean anything. Bray and his relationship with The Fiend, it hasn't really been fully thought out. There may be some interplay with The Undertaker down the road here, but I think these matches are going to not be dramatic improvements from the Bray matches that we remember from not that long ago, and that's where I think the wheels come off the cart a little bit here. Yeah, I agree. It's it's gonna be it's great up until the moment the bell rings, and then it's a Bray Wyatt match, and maybe you'll have worms, you know, <laughs> projected onto the on the mat like the Randy Orton match or some weird. You know, I mean, Bray's had any number of bad supernatural finishes that they could go to. Uh, I, I I tend to agree, though. It, it hasn't been properly thought through because it's gotten such a great reaction. But at the same time, it's like, okay, how th- th- there's no forethought in how they're presenting and there's no forethought in how is his style different because of this character. And you have you have your main baby face crying in the corner no 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 no, no 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 not not crying ah! <laughs> ah! <laughs> whatever that is that that's what was occurring your top baby face in the promotion screaming like a child yeah that's gonna that's gonna uh, that, that, that's that's gonna fuel all of us to cheer him on. I thought Braun came <laughs> off as more of a badass in that segment than Seth did. At least Braun, who was getting mandible claw over and over again, was just like, "I'm not done," and trying to get up and like attack Bray again. Meanwhile, Seth is just cowering in the corner as this guy who is nominally at least sort of friendly with him sometimes is getting murdered by the fiend. <laughs> cool Garrett any thoughts <laughs> it's still Bray Wyatt man it's just like it's the same thing as the Wyatt family when he was doing those promos backstage and everyone's like oh they're great because like his delivery is good so like, and then when people saw them like the third time and you're like what's he actually saying and it turns out he's never actually saying anything what yeah when he He's a terrible cult leader because he can never really bring anybody over to his cult and keep it together. 
You know, there's nothing special about this other than the delivery. I mean, the thing that made this fun initially was the introduction of all these characters was a little bit of a pointed commentary slash satire on his professional existence. And there were some interesting things going on there, but I knew they could never keep that up. Like, there's no way that Vince was going to see this puppet version of Mr. McMahon and not be like, hey, what what the hell is that about? What's that? What's that mean? Damn it. The moment the Bray Wyatt character really died, and Garrett will appreciate mm. this, was when they tried to ape the popularity of the the Hardy compound fights with the New Day coming down to fight uh, the Wyatt family, and they literally did nothing with that. It was just, oh, we had a fight, and that's it. There was nothing bloody about it. There was nothing special about it. They were just trying to, oh, hey, we can film a segment too, and they did it half-assed because they didn't realize the broken matt hardy stuff is secretly comedy <clears throat> so they, yeah, they just they, they just too. did satire but serious and they were like what are you mm-hmm. even doing yeah so we'll see what happens next week uh for the big broadcast debuts uh fox has already <laughs> stumbled a bit in their promotion of it I, they showed ray mysterio at a minnesota vikings game and they go oh it's uh it's like nacho libre he <laughs> just went, really? That's where you went with this? Okay. And whoever that announcer Greatest man was, Lucha was like, I can't believe how much taller I am than Mysterio. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I sure just... put him over there. <sighs> yeah. Chris, let's go to the network shows because they are slightly those... more positive. Yeah, they're not bad. They're not, they're not great, but they're not. Okay, let's start with 205 Live. So... That's your favorite of the three? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I just, I've already said the phrase 205 Live, so that's where we're starting today. Okay, okay. I like the idea that there was a fresh match here, having Danny Burch over here to team with Oni Lorcan and having more tag matches. Tony Nese is much better in a tag team. The Nese Gulag tag team is much more interesting than Tony Nese yes. as a solo item. And Drew Gulak. I guess benefits from having a tag team partner, although, again, it doesn't really sink and gel with the original narrative of Drew Gulak has expurgated himself of all the weak links in his life. Tony Nese would be one of them. And actually, Tony Nese was one of the key weak links that he defeated on his way to winning the title, too. But... Yeah, no, I, I love this Birch. I love this Birch Nese team. I mean, uh, Birch Oni Lorcan team. I really do. I agree. I think Birch and Lorkin are a real breath of fresh air here. And just having this pairing on the show was enough to make me excited for tonight's episode of 205 Live. And the opener wasn't bad either. Angel Garza versus Umberto Carrillo is a fresh match, and it's a good match. It's a good match. I just, all the charm, I mean, they got a little bit of the charm of Angel Garza, but put them out here. At this point, when he's started to gain a little bit in NXT, and he's just kind of out here to die a little bit because nobody really knows who he is, except if they watched that Captain's Choice match, which was great for what it was, and it was a fine wrestling match. It, it just didn't, there wasn't a lot of personality to it that we hadn't seen before because they'd done this whole, hey, we're cousins, shake my hand type of thing during the captain's challenge match. I just, it just really didn't interest me all that much. Tony Nese is super boring. <laughs> How could you say that about Tony Nese? How, no, no. Yeah, 
up. I'm not going to just. No. I, I have been on here for weeks talking about. This Saying is, he's super boring. No, just shut up. He's Tony Intensity. He's Tony Energy. He's Tony Excitement. That Everyone knows that. Hashtag Tony Energy. Um, we've been getting that trending on Twitter for weeks now here. Jeff, thank you very much. And how are you going to just say that, Garrett? How are you going to just say that? Tony D's first broke onto national wrestling on Impact in 2011. And I was like, oh, this guy's pretty good. And he's just much worse now. <laughs> that was that was eight. He was a really good best of three series with DJZ, that Joaquin Wild and NXT. Really good best of three series, good TV matches. And I'm like, this guy, he's got promise. Maybe in, nine, in eight years, he'll be on a television show and be good. No, he's not. I actually thought he was... Pretty good and evolved doing the act with the uh, with the uh, premier athlete brand with SoCal Val, and uh, I forgot what her name in Evolve was, but the bodyguard who was she had a cup of coffee in NXT and uh, retired after one of the uh, May Young classics. I wanted to call her Athena, but I think that I'm mixing her up with Ember Moon's name out there. Um, yeah, he needs a manager. He needs a spokesperson, and then he can play off of that. I think. I think on his own, he's but he just can wrestle bland. in the ring. But yeah, he needs someone to do all the personality work for him because he yes. doesn't have it. No, I, I I would agree there. I just yeah, you, you don't understand how hard Chris has been on on our our friend Tony Nice over the past few weeks in terms of. I mean, his entire of, his entire championship one. run. I was pretty damn critical the entire time because he wasn't I won the title in my hometown. That's that's all he ever said was, I won it at WrestleMania in front of my hometown of New York. I won the title in New York in front of my hometown fans. And they never did anything other than just say, I won the title. And then Drew Gulak comes in and beats him like three weeks later. And like The thing is, he beat Buddy Murphy. Like He ended the, the best Cruiserweight title reign. In theory, that should be the guy that sends you to the stratosphere, but nah. Like, the show just lacks an ace. You know, you had Buddy Murphy, you had Cedric Alexander, you had Akira Tozawa, you had Pac, obviously. All, all these people who were good enough to overcome just the sheer lethargy. Is lethargy a word? I'm going to pretend it is. Sheer lethargy. Lethargy is a lethar- word. Lethargy yes. of 205 Live in the crowd. Like, nobody cares. So you need to be somebody like Mustafa Ali or somebody like Buddy Murphy who is good enough to overcome the fact that nobody on earth cares about you on that television show. Uh, they just don't have that right now. And, like, like Drew Gulak's fine. Tony Nese is less than fine. Oni is probably the best bet they have, but I, I have no idea. Oh, what they need to do with Oni is give him his Twitter yeah. gimmick on screen because his Twitter gimmick's fantastic. And and everything about the build of that Captain's Challenge match on Twitter between Gulak and Oni Lorcan, entertaining as hell, and they just do nothing with it. They just put them back on screen and go, okay, wrestle. And it's like, all right, great. You know, good wrestling is not going to get you over on a WWE crowd. You need the personality and you need the flash because... At this point, even great wrestling may not get you over with WWE because every match has dives and has big guys doing dives and has people doing flips, and people just aren't impressed by that anymore. It's so weird how desensitized to what we used to view as dangerous uh, wrestling has become. It, it's 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 odd, but they need to... 
They need to evolve a little, to be honest with you. Chris, what's the next show we're going to go to? Well, hold on a second. I don't actually think it's all that odd. What it is is it's an issue of dynamics in the match. Like, I'm not going to try to go all old school purists. They need to slow down the work rate or whatever. But one of the big problems that WWE has is they have a very specific match style and a match format. And then when you go to more independent promotions, um, those audiences expect a certain match format as well. It's less hewed out, but there are normative traditions inside of that too. And, and I think it's it makes sense that you get diminishing returns when everyone's expecting like a Tope Kun hero every match. Angel Garza just locking Humberto Carrillo in a headlock for two minutes sucks, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, there's a happy uh, medium between these things. Like, you can have a punchy, kicky, let's throw each other around on the outside for about three or four minutes type of match and as a mid-card TV match instead of having the long, extended, rest-hold style match. I, I think that there, there are format and pacing options, different genres of match, if you will, that could be done that wouldn't require you to do lots of dangerous spots and actually would probably get more mileage out of the dangerous spots. I feel like it just needs, the whole show needs more urgency. Because, like, obviously this, the match took place in full sale. But the, they have a ninja! They have a ninja in the logo! Well, how much more energy do you need? Urgency! But, like... How are, are the ninjas way urgent? You had, it wasn't Ultimate Ninja, it wasn't Umberto Carrillo Ultimate Ninja? Am I mixing that up? Anyway. Was he? He might have been. Uh, but, like, you had that Oni Lorcan against Leo Rush match on NXT last week, which I think is much closer to the kind of match you should be having on 205 Live rather than, like, those wrestle matches. And for, as I said, that match was in full sail, different crowd, different atmosphere. But, like, it was just the structure of that match, I think, was much better than the average 205 Live match. Okay, it was Andrea. That's the name I was thinking of, not Athena. Andrea was the one with SoCal Val and Anthony Nice and... Caleb Conley was the fourth member of the premier athlete brand in, in Evolve. If those of you yelling at uh, your podcast, uh, NXT UK, Chris, let's do please. a little bit of NXT UK had a main event of trend seven versus gnome dar. But first Legero <laughs> has a quizzical match against Oliver Carter, who I guess we just hate. Lord. Now. What the hell is this? Oliver Carter is the most inexplicable talent in like three weeks because they come in, they beat him. Oh, I'll be back next week. Comes back, gets beat again. Rebuild Probably video by package. It. They did an intro video yes. package for this guy, Garrett. Like lots of intro. Oh, Oliver Carter, here he comes. I'm exciting. I'm kind of friends with Kofi Kingston. And then he comes yeah, they and linked loses him to the to champ. Joseph Connors. Oh, they linked him to the champ and then they beat him bad to a guy that's... That's the Joe Lanza Jag champion. Yeah, if you um, don't like Tony Nese, let me tell you a little bit about Joseph about Connors. About Joseph Connors. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, and I guess they may be turning Legero heel. It feels like it. Because they, they were putting over how, oh, he had wrestled a more intense style, and he's wearing black now. Did he the, do anything heelish during the match, though? I don't know that I caught that. That super kick to the head seems a little heelish. Interesting. Maybe. Maybe. Okay. 
And I guess I'd be fine with that, but that kind of runs contra to the whole rebuild story. They just got me to buy in on this guy as a baby face because of the whole story of the yeah. mask and everything. So if they do that, that'd be weird. But I, I too caught commentary saying that, and then my eyes kind of perked up for the replay, and then I didn't see anything heelish. Yeah, it's it's par for the show, though, that they can't keep consistency through three weeks. What's I would next? like to okay. inform, I would like to inform the listeners of Shake Them Ropes that uh, Jeff and Chris have been making it to help all along, and uh, NXT UK is a fake television show. <laughs> all of these people aren't real. No, you're, it, you're just making up names. No, all of, it took, all took of me Wash, to watch. You're just you're just saying words. Yeah, don't let yourselves be fooled. <laughs> if they do this every week, this is the longest bit in the history of podcasts. It's a fake show. That was really that no that was uncalled for, Gear. That was that was really that cruel. Was hurtful. So uh, your words hurt. Let's continue from my imaginary notes here. Up next, Mustache Guy comes to the ring, and all the people chant up Mustache Man. They call him a big strong boy, and then Jordan Devlin comes out. This made sense, but was also weird, and is not a feud that I necessarily really need. I'm fine with the feud. I think it'll get better. I just thought the introduction of the feud was off. It's like, yeah, I got beat by Walter. Got beat a lot. Oh, and here's Jordan Devlin, who wasn't even on the show. You know, I mean, you got to find a way to build a feud somehow. And it made sense These- to a way, or in a way, but Jordan Devlin then going, oh, I'm the man here, almost made him feel like a short joke. Yeah, and it's a lot of, you know, I'm going to be the face of the brand type of feud. And I'm just like, I don't want to see that. I just want to see Jordan Devlin be cocky and think he's the best wrestler and want to beat up Tyler Bate for being big, strong boy and being so popular in the crowd when he should be the one getting all the accolades. That's all I want. All I want is, is him to be a weasel. All I want is for Jordan Devlin to be a weasley jerk and come out and do that, but they have to add this corporate fealty aspect to it. So, uh, Nina Samuels had a had a match. Yeah, Danny Luna, they're kind of doing stuff with her, beginning to introduce her a little bit more, giving her some time to shine a little bit here after the blowout loss to Rhea Ripley. This was fine. It's a Nina Samuels match. I like Nina more as kind of the over-the-top character and commentary one of the things I noticed, and I think I saw Garrett commenting on this as well, is commentary was sort of giving up the game a bunch throughout the week, saying things like, oh, I didn't quite get all that spot, uh, which has just become a really bad force of habit be- between a number of different people on commentary. It's not just Vic Joseph or Michael Cole here. It was particularly bad on NXT with the finish of the, the uh, Carrillo and Garza match. Because he said he didn't yeah. quite get all of it, and that was the finish. So, like, he didn't quite get all of his finish, and he beat him. You just buried the guy who lost. Yeah, and <laughs> they said with Nina Samuels, oh, well, she's been reinventing herself a whole bunch here, which is basically just saying, we're not really sure what this Nina character's been doing for the last two and a half months here, so disregard all those video packages, which is unfortunate, because I really enjoyed the one when she was at the Muddy Festival. I thought she was funny. Yeah, that one that one was pretty good and played to her strengths, I think, and then they just did nothing with it. They didn't follow up on it or anything. I, uh... I hated this ending to the main event. I absolutely loathed it. I... A DQ due to Trent Seven getting really angry 
because Noam Dar stuck his towel down his pants. I wouldn't have had a problem with it if Trent Seven had done a good job getting angry about this, but he didn't. There was this ridiculous delayed reaction where at first he was like, oh, that's silly. And then he was like, no, that's my towel. And he starts like wailing on Noam Dar and they're like bad punches as well. I I did not enjoy this. All of this was made up. It was all made up. It was all a figment of our imagination. And we glide to a real show the second week of a two-hour NXT. Um, I liked it. I didn't love it. Um, I, I, I had an issue with almost every match. Which kind of made me upset by it, but uh, I like this a lot more than Raw or SmackDown. I think yes, sometimes yes. when people are comparing this stuff, they're comparing it to the perfect island wrestling show in their brain, and not to the yes. wrestling programs they've been getting on their television screen for the last decade. And compared to that, this has been a revelation for two weeks. Chris, I'm I'm stuck in this, and maybe Garrett is as well. Garrett wasn't going to bring the positivity, so I am. I'm Mr. Sunshine now. I, okay, I'm fine. It. Then bring the sunshine. I got it. Well, well, focus on focus on my negativity here then for a second, because I'm stuck in this limbo of wanting angles and promos with my wrestling, which made NXT kind of a bit of a slog of just two hours of matches. But but the main roster does angles and promos so poorly that I don't want to see that either on NXT. So I, I kind of have to live with this, and I, I guess it's better than the alternative. Um, well, I think down the road you'll probably get stories creeping into yeah. this, and, and probably the big thing you'll have to worry about in a couple of months here is maybe the ratio is going too much in the wrong direction, but there will be a sweet spot in the middle there that you'll really like. Feel that positivity? Oh, yeah. No, and I'll, I'll have AEW on my DVR to fast-forward to Tully Blanchard promo, so I'll be happy. Johnny will start staring at his hands again soon. Don't worry. Oh, I will punch you in the face. <laughs> I swear to God. I don't know. Uh, yeah. We opened up with Keith Lee versus Dominic Dijakovic, and this was another fun Keith Lee versus Dominic Dijakovic match. I don't know that I liked it as much as the first match. But this had some really nice spots. These guys work well together. If you've seen any of their work over the last five years, this is like that, only more recent. The big controversy, uh, kicking out of a Canadian destroyer from the middle rope. Um, How do you feel about that, Chris? The whole point of this feud is that these guys can do really crazy things to one another and they're super evenly matched, and it's sort of a raise and re-raise sort of thing. I don't have a problem with it, but I guess how... I can understand how someone in a vacuum, not actually thinking about the broader story that they've been telling here for several weeks, would go, well, that should automatically be a finisher. I don't think it is in this story, though. Both Buddy Murphy and Scott Dawson of The Revival... uh, question their existence in the industry by saying they don't understand it because of the big the kickouts after big spots uh garrett do you have any issue with it buddy murphy recently on smackdown did a a v trigger followed by a kamigoi that's two other people's finishers and this person kicked out so he can go away 
Aside from aside from the utter disrespect to PD Williams, of course. Nah, I don't really care. Like my problem with these matches is is like this was a really big touring match on the Indies for a couple of years, and they mm-hmm. they did this match, and they did this match a couple times in the Indies, and they've done this match a couple of times in NXT, and I just like they all their matches are really good. Don't get me wrong, this is a really good match where they do really cool stuff, and it's like yeah, this is how you should kick off a wrestling show. But for these two, I'd really just like to see them add a different dimension to what they're doing other than how, can we top the cool stuff can we add to the spectacle like add a, a, yeah. a layer of intensity a layer of like build on the other matches and call back to them do something like that as opposed to a layer of, a, a layer of hate yeah that that's what i want in this from two big men i love watching keith lee fly because as as a listener who uh uh kimmy who who went to the tapings as 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 she quoted me fat men flying are fun but it's one of those things where I don't feel the I don't feel it's an intense rivalry. I feel like it's two big guys doing moves on each other that are very impressive, but I don't feel a lot of the emotion in this. I've seen this match now live. I, I saw it in Orlando and I saw it at in LA for PWG, and both were fantastic matches, and both of these TV matches were quite good as well. I want there to be more hate in this feud. I want it to be a feud. I don't want it to just be two guys coming out and having a match. I, I agree with you there. Yeah, and I feel your guys' critique. I, I guess what I'm saying is from the perspective of one of the million-plus people who saw this show this week, and this was the opening match, and they haven't seen any of these Keith Lee versus Dominic, Dominic Dijak matches on the indies, here over the last four or five years, this is probably a pretty damn good match for them and certainly better than what they've been getting on Raw and SmackDown on a consistent basis. When's the last time they've had a Haas match that had this much of a work rate on a Raw or SmackDown product? Yeah, when you when you think of NXT, like the, the, the USA Network era as like a soft reboot, you know, obviously the, all the characters are the same, but the idea that a whole lot more people are suddenly watching this show, uh, taking under the assumption that they haven't seen the previous uh, Dijak and Keith Lee matches, like this match will rule to them. Because the first time you see this match, it is incredible. Because these guys are doing top rope Canadian destroyers and they're gigantic and that's not how human beings should work. So yeah, I'm, I'm, with, you, I'm mm-hmm. with you there. It's like, as the, the first match on your second show on cable television i think this is a real good match for the audience i think the the one million people or so that watched nxt this week will have liked the hell out of this match and the one million number is much higher than people were viewing nxt on the network so like there is a considerable new audience that is seeing this product hopefully when they go to the rubber match they do something different dakota kai versus tainara kanchi um so why don't you guys go first before I like dump on Dakota Kai? Does anyone have anything positive uh, to say about Dakota Kai? Obviously, an emotional comeback for her after ACL surgery. I think they've uh, accessorized the knee brace quite well. Tenara Conti is no longer Tenara Conti. She is just Tenara. She is still all playing big character and then the bell rings. Um, and... Uh, yeah, this was a match that happened on a television show. I had a problem with the presentation. Did you? Oh, what, what, what it was part? in reality, and you prefer your wrestling shows to be fictionalized and in your head? <laughs> yes. I want everything just to be fantasy booking. But like last, I think last week they they, they had like a, a, a very brief, I think like 15 second, who is the Kodakai video. 
Yeah. You didn't get any idea for who she was, for who she was. But here, like, she comes out to this big, a really good reaction, a great reaction, coming back from ACL surgery. And I feel like there's a really good story they could have told there. Like, you give her a two-minute package where you have her talk about coming back from a yeah. torn ACL. And then when she comes out to that reaction, I think it means something. As opposed to her, she got a 15-second video that no one remembers from last week. And then she just walks out and she does get a good reaction. And then she sure has a match. But I, I think they could have gotten a lot more out of this. I would agree. And uh, But she's still the captain of Team Kick, even though there is no Team Kick. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. They, they, they really have, it's so weird. And, and I, this is what I said last week. They've assumed we know who all these people are. And I think that's a mistake because you have five times the audience watching this on USA than you ever did on the network. And, and I just think that little additions of character development and who these people are and why we should care would pay off more in the long run. I, I just, I don't understand their strategy here, but I think they just want to be pure. This is a pure wrestling show. So that means less characters welcome, I guess. I don't know. I think the only kind of character build match that we had here this week was the one involving Raul Mendoza because commentary was really clobbering you with the he's an underdog storyline here. Really weird pairing with Cameron Grimes. We'll get to that here in a bit. But like that's the only one that was really trying to build a story. This was just Dakota Kai is back and she beats Tainara. Four weeks ago, they debut Raul Mendoza on 205 Live. Maybe more than four weeks by now. As the partner of Humberto Carrillo... In a tag team match where they, they, they wanted to make Umberto the star at, at, by giving him the big win, but Raul Mendoza got over, and he got that crowd into it, and then they did nothing to follow up with it. So now, a few weeks later, they're doing what they do. They bring him on, they beat him. I don't get it. Raul Mendoza, has been again, has been great since he was signed during the Cruiserweight Classic. I don't Free, get every time he comes out, Cameron he gets Grimes. Over. They were just turning Cameron Grimes baby face last week, and I don't get pairing him against Raul Mendoza, telling the underdog story on commentary, and then having Grimes work as the heel. That made no sense. Yeah, their their characterization is all mixed up here. They they try and put the oh he was so valiant in defeat stuff. But that doesn't work in WWE land for the most part unless you've been around for a long time and you're only losing to top, top guys and everybody wants you to get pushed. But they think it worked with Daniel Bryan when it really didn't all that much. I, I, I just... Everything about that match just confused the hell out of me. The Cruiserweight Classic was three years ago. Yeah. He's been around that and long. And they've done... Yes. And they've done nothing with him, but every time he comes out, he has a great match. Even it's even amazing. he was like one of those surprise packages in the Cruiserweight Classic. Who did he wrestle in that tournament? Yeah, and he was great. I uh, I believe he. I have Brian he Kendrick the... in my head, but I'm not sure. He was a first round. I'll I'll look that up. Somebody vamp for a bit. You were gonna rant about <laughs> Dakota Kai, Chris. Okay, so look, the Dakota Kai act does not have a lot going on in it. She's not that great of a talker. I get that there's a bit of a feel-good story here with the ACL, but she's not a champion. They don't have a tag division, and her match style is not 
that good of a long form match style. The the only intrigue is can she get the win back over Shayna Baszler? And does anyone really want to see that on a serious level? So I don't get why Dakota Kai is back in NXT, but for the fact that they don't have any place better for her to go. Uh by the way, uh Garrett nailed it. Yeah, it was he was the first round match for Brian Kendrick. That made him look like a million bucks. He's also much better than Brian Kendrick, but that's neither here nor there. Mm-hmm. Next match, Chris. The next match is Matt Riddle versus Killian Dane. Yes, a street fight where guys come out in their wrestling gear. Fail. Fail, fail, fail. I want the knee pads over blue jeans. I want this to be a street fight. I just not don't a want wrestling Matt match that's no casual. DQ. I, Matt Riddle is yes, fighting and in a bare beef feet against a guy he's been feuding with for upwards of two months now for a number one contender spot, and he's still coming out with a cloud of smoke hanging out behind him. I want this guy to be pissed off. I I concur. You got any thoughts on this, Garrett? I find it weird that two weeks in a row now, the, the main event of NXT has been a three-segment match. And I don't think <laughs> either match has been better off being that long. Like, I didn't think Dream and Strong... I think Dream and Strong was a good match last week. They would have had a better match if it was shorter. And this match in particular would have been a much better match where it's shorter because these guys just did stuff. Like, they just had... The- this was a... This was a tame street fight, too. It was just, you know... They just had a wrestling match for the first half of it. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. It was just... Yeah, there was nothing dangerous about this. You know, you get the usual, ooh, the kendo stick, which nobody has ever explained why there are kendo sticks underneath the mat. Nobody has ever bothered to explain that. Structural support. But the... Hmm. With bamboo? Yeah. In Impact's case, it's Eddie Edwards' best friend. That's why it's there. Yeah, I just I I watched this. It was okay. It didn't get Matt Riddle as heated up to be number one contender for Adam Cole as I think it should. He's got to be more intense post match. No, it's a big problem for Matt Riddle. Don't just move past this because it's a big problem for me ever giving a damn in any of Matt Riddle's storylines. Why should I care about your journey if you don't really seem to? Yeah, he's like, dude, I'm here. I'm doing this stuff. No, man, like, it's really cool. I'm going to be going up against the Undisputed Era next week. You guys, you're a bunch of losers. (laughs) I'm going to be champion. (laughs) Yeah, I want to see him snap. I thought we were getting that a bit, like, last year, when when, right before he lost his first match, and it seemed like he he was going to turn heel there for a second, and it felt like a more intense Matt Riddle. But, yeah, I, I need to see him get out of the dude bro thing and really you know i am a killer that's what i want to see and you should see that in a street fight match if you're putting that as the condition on the match is this is a grudge match so harsh that we are going to throw all rules out the middle or out 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 there and you come as you are and you fight like you would in the streets i i just it's I'm fine with him hanging out in his bro cloud for weekly television. But when things are actually serious and it's winning time, he needs to kind of snap out of the haze and fire up to a different level. And that was something that was lacking in this match. He needs the he needs the Laramie Tunsil 
gas mask, and he just takes it off, and it's just a big puff of smoke, and he's as high as a kite when he comes out. He realizes he has the number one contenders match next week and starts furiously drinking coffee. Dude, no edibles from gotta, gotta take the buzz man. off. Gotta take the buzz off, man. <laughs> Turn the humidifier on, quick. Um... Yeah, uh, and that was the end of the uh, USA show. It go- then goes to the network. Yeah, Rhea Ripley had a match against Caden Carter. We didn't see a whole lot of Caden Carter. However, my only note on her is that she's actually pretty good at moving. Like, she's got good flexibility, good mobility. Doesn't really know her way around the ring at this point. This kills me. This is this is what kills me about this match. Uh, two things. Number one... The dichotomy of seemingly building Rhea Ripley as a babyface in the imaginary NXT UK, and she's back here basically being a heel. This is the Cameron Grimes Raul Mendoza match all over again. Yes, and also reintroducing somebody with a new name because this was uh, Lacey Lane under a new name who we had seen her team with Casey Catanzaro a few weeks back. You know. Oh, here we go. We're going to re-debut her and repackage her. Here's her name. And she's going to lose. And they're going to try that. Wow, she looked really good in defeat, though. Kind of thing. Which just goes, well, why should I care and about this And then Rhea person? Ripley's, like, kicking dirt on her as they're trying to put this over yes. on commentary. No, it was yes. a mistake on a number of different fronts. They're putting over They're putting over Lacey Lane's Division Two basketball experience against 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 a woman who is far taller than she is that's insane to do what are you doing she was a point guard it's it's uh, i she can probably drop a really good time i have no memory (laughs) of this match I wonder, is this going to become more of a problem? Because obviously you have Rhea Ripley, you have Walter. I assume Pete Dunne is mostly NXT rather than NXT UK. But like, is there going to be a problem between like presentation of these characters on these two different wrestling shows that now will air on two different platforms starting from next week? Yes, there will, there will be a characterization problem with Rhea Ripley because they are positioning her to be a badass still while trying to make her a baby face on both brands. And it's... It's one of those things they don't do well because Rhea Ripley is also doing the weird sneering, holding on to the vest thing. She has that part down. Bad the badass baby face is not a thing that WWE does particularly well, I don't think, because they want them to be everything a heel is, but they want them to be cheered. Next, we had Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch. I, I like the fact that they, when they want to really push a team, a mid-card team, and kind of move them into your focus, this multi-show thing works really nicely for them. So Oni Lorcan, Oni, Oni Lor- ah. so Lorcan and Danny Birch, you saw them on 205 Live if you saw them, and then now you're seeing them again here on NXT, um, and they feel kind of important. I don't get why Chase Parker and Matt Martell are ever rise, and I thought mentioning that Matt Martell is not related to Rick Martell only went to make Ever-Rise feel like more of Goobers. Yeah, I, I didn't like that. They are, though, they're growing on me. Ever-Rise is growing on me as a team, uh, especially after the first week where they were kind of, 
they're really playing, you know, uh, gay overtones in in on the team quite a bit in terms of being, you know, almost stereotypical French Canadian heels. Um, they're the hunt of this NXT regular brand. So I'm starting how to. Dare, how I, dare you? How dare literally? How I know, no, literally? I know how sacrilege. dare you? Stop! Stop! They just need a little bit more personality. They're they're that they're that a, royal a family. Bit, a little bit more personality. They need they need that you know that Jack Victory Rip Morgan flourish or something. <laughs> you know they're they're that they're that geek team that's always going to lose that I'm going to fall in love with. I, I can already see it. I'm going to need you to tell me one thing about each member of Ever Rise. You said a little bit more personality. Yeah, I know. You're going to need to tell me uh, a little something about Ever-Rise, especially after this blasphemy. I'm also, Garrett, are you available to tape the show next week? Because I, I need a new co-host. Uh, well, that would require me watching eight hours. Yeah, no, no, it's fine. No, it's good. No. You had a good time. <laughs> it's torture. No, it's not. It's good. Yeah? Uh-huh. Stay. <laughs> So, Cameron Grimes <laughs> and Raul Mendoza had a match. We kind of already shot our shot on this one. Yeah, but man. yeah, I, I don't get it. I, I don't get it. It's it, but it it also is a booking mistake that kind of nicely echoes the Rhea Ripley and Caden Carter ones. Same mistake, only bigger. And then we had Kushida versus Tyler Breeze, or not. Let me try this again. And then we had in our main event of sorts, Kushida, Tyler Breeze, and Fondango versus Marcel Bartel, Fabian Eichner, and Alexander Wolf representing Imperium. I just can't get myself to care about Tyler Breeze and Fandango still as the fashion popo. Yeah, that that's the big issue here is, is they're playing characters as opposed to being repackaged as wrestlers down here. Um, I'm, I'm finding it interesting that Imperium is become quickly becoming the darling of the NXT on the network hour uh, as the major heels, and I'm wondering what's going to happen once they're on USA because they're pushing the Undisputed Era as the main bad guy stable. But I think Imperium is a damn good stable in its own I right. I think and you're going to get a stable war. I think that's I what the so. tease is here. And you, the, we opened up this show with the Undisputed Era. We have not really had the Undisputed Era address Imperium, but you have to think at some point they will, and that will be interesting. Maybe that's our angle going into war games. By the way, that's the best thing that was on NXT UK this week was that Walter training video coming in there and just smacking around youngins because I'll always pay for that. Um yeah, Imperium sneaky great still. Uh, I'm I'm here for Walter versus Kushida. I, I think that's going to be a heck of a match. I just I just don't understand what WWE has done with Kushida. To be honest with you, this is uh, this is Nakamura part two in terms of we get expectations of what it's going to be, and then they just there was they so much more thought character. that went into Nakamura than has gone into Kushida. Yeah. I think that's not even fair because Nakamura initially they offered him the glorious theme right and then when they were like uh it's not quite a good fit even though it's an amazing theme song and one of the better theme songs that anyone's gotten in the last five years out of that company especially out of cfo absolutely one of the best that they put out and then he gets another one of the best that they put out in the original lakamura theme 
Crowd loves that one. And then he gets a cool remix of that. Kushida's theme song, it's barely hummable. You're kind of like... Like, you can't really hum it. And a crowd will never be humming that in mass unless it's in, like, the Back to the Future. The Back to the... Yeah, the Back to the Future cosplay is killing him. It's because you don't have the... Like, Kushida didn't start in New Japan as the Back to the Future guy. You know, he started as yeah. this great wrestler. He connected, and then he did that at his entrance. I think at Wrestle Kingdom eight in twenty fourteen for the first mm-hmm. time, and then it became like they actually a had the DeLorean. That was awesome, though. Yeah, and they actually in the crowd after the show, they had the DeLorean in the crowd. You could take pictures with it. I was at that show, so that's how I know these things. I have two problems with this. Uh, well, actually, the second problem is with NXT in general. First of all, Breezango came out to a theme song that began with a siren, and I'm sorry. That's Scott Steiner's. You, <laughs> you cannot, you cannot put a siren on a wrestling show and deliver anything other than Scott Steiner. Everyone will be disappointed. That is the law. I'm sorry. That's just the way it works. And I think NXT has a real hour two problem. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't think you can put this hour two up against the Chris Jericho main event and expect people to watch it. They won't. It's it's yeah. They're loading up. They're loading up title matches for next week in hopes of beating the debut. But after that, what what are you gonna do? You're gonna you're gonna give me, uh, Brizongo versus uh, versus Ever Rise on hour two. Yeah, you got a Cameron Grimes match going up against John Moxley. That's you, you, that, there's only one way that's going to go. And like yeah, but you still you. It's not like AEW has you know knock it out of the park matches also because you're gonna get like Dark Order versus. You know, the best friends or whatever too so i mean it's and i think a number of wwe fans are going to see chris jericho for the first time and be surprised <laughs> he's certainly different from the last time he's he's not the same person they remember the last time they saw him um so <laughs> you know drunk angry old dad now <laughs> yeah 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 no Eight so I, I i do think that's gonna be a bit of a shock for people um i think if you been watching him over the last several years here as he's traveled around the world it's one thing and he's transitioned into this look but for the people who watch in the millions threshold here who don't follow all of his exploits all over the world yeah i i could imagine them popping on aew and going whoa why is chris jericho uh and also champion too huh he is you know by week Week four, we're going to get one of those segments where on NXT, it's going to be Tainara versus Vanessa Bourne or Aaliyah, and they're going to flip over. It's going to be like the guy with no legs and Marco Stunt, and everybody's just like, what the hell happened to wrestling? And everybody's just going to leave. The, the war will end. The, the, the real victim of the war is pro wrestling. <laughs> yes. But I, I really do think like this second hour, it's perfectly fine for a WWE Network show. I, I don't think this second hour is up to like uh, broadcast tele- well, cable television in the case of NXT. Cable television, it's it's just, it's not good enough. It's, well, it's, there's last not, there's not enough fine, kick though. to it. No, I, I'm with you. They're not, they're, not, they're not used to it. They, they haven't planned for it. They just thought we'll just add an extra hour of booking and it'll be fine. Not realizing that the one hour is what helped make NXT palatable because you would do these angles and then you'd have people wanting more the next week. Whereas you have two hours, it's 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 
You gotta but blow it up. But it's not the same two hours. You're saying two hours. It's two hours with commercials, which is different than two hours as in sixty minutes of TV, which is closer to what they were putting out before. So like now they have to put out ninety minutes. So I, I'm with you. The second hour is weak. This is not a good. This is not a good main event. Tyler Breeze and Fondango in this gimmick feel low rent, but Tyler Breeze does not have to feel low rent in NXT as a brand. They just have him in a low rent gimmick, and I feel the same way about Fondango too. If he was just you know wrestling as whoever, and they were these veteran fan favorites, I think they would actually be good foils to Imperium because I don't think the crowd really gets why they're supposed to hate Imperium yet. I think this can be fixed though, and I think I mean you look at this main event this week. One half of the main event is Imperium. So all you have to do is have a more interesting babyface trio going up against Imperium. It can't be that hard. It just can't. You just poured over British Strong Style. Job done. Yeah, boom. Yeah, it's really not that hard. And also you'll have more Walter as opposed to the other three. Not that there's anything wrong with the other three, but Walter is Walter. No, but yeah, if you had Kushida, Trent Seven, and the big strong boy... Up against Imperium here this week. Perfectly fine main event. I bet you that keeps people's eyeballs on. Okay, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Oh, deny oh, oh, it. I mean, there are better Chris matches. Jericho on the other channel. I I think that this is a much more interesting draw. I I, I mean, the issue here, it's not Tyler Breeze and Fandango the performers. It's the gimmicks. Um, but but I think that this is actually much more easily fixed. Um, than you'd expect, and Cameron Grimes shouldn't be the sub-main event, but, like, if... You... I think you guys are giving short shrift to Chris Jericho just because he has I'm a not. Chris, back elbow. Chris Jericho is a huge star. But, like, if you come on against NXT with the first two segments of your second hour being Caden uh, Carter against Rhea Ripley and Danny Burch and Oni Lorcan against Everrise, both in pseudo-squash matches, that's not good enough. That's just not good enough to compete. Like, N- uh, AEW will be swinging higher than that. I think for part of it, but not for right. all of their two-hour show. Kind of my you're, you're still going to get... Uh, yes, both. But do you, do you think the, the first segment at the top of the second hour of NXT is... Or, no, of no, AEW? you're right. So NXT has problems, and they can import talent from this other company called WWE whenever <laughs> they want. Like That's but, the trump then, card here. Th- then you run into the question of, is that NXT? Is that what that audience starts watching? Oh, yeah. No, I mean, yes, the, the million-plus the million people will sit there and have a philosophical rumination over, am I really watching pro wrestling right now? Or is this a fake wrestling TV show in my mind? Well, well I, I, I think both of you have very strong points here that aren't necessarily in conflict with one another. NXT has a lack of planning problem. They're not going to, they're not going to look on their schedule and, and plot. Okay. When are they putting on the heavy hitters on AEW? You know, they're not timing that. I mean, you remember in the three hour or in the two hour raw period, the big angle would always be the beginning of hour two. And now in terms of that, it's somewhere stuck between hour two and hour three. They're not they're not timing these segments to go head to head with the the big segments of AEW like I think which is which is what I think Garrett is getting at is that they're just going to put on more NXT versus something important at the top of the hour type of thing. And I just don't 
understand where the presumption that they're not going to adapt or change whatsoever once they're actually in the middle of a TV war. I don't. I don't get where that's coming from. I think they will. I think. That's that, that's not something. I say. I think they need to. That's why. No, my, and that's what I'm saying. I think they're going to. They're they're human beings. I think they're going to have to make changes. I think they will. But I just think they have a much more deep playbook and reservoir of talent available that to them than the competition. So I like. I don't think they, will they lose against the hard course from certain weeks to other weeks? Yes, some people will like the porridge from one bowl one week, and people will like the porridge from another bowl another week. I think that that's certainly true. Among the kind of more casual, the type of people who populate that million plus audience, I think if they're getting NXT and it's like fresh new WWE or in air quotes here, the WWE I want to watch. I, I think like. They'll be totally fine. All right, exit question. How many fans watch AEW week one on their premiere? 1.1 million. 755 or 750,000. I'm going to go 750. I I think it'll be more than NXT. I'm going to say it's one and a half. I think think they outnumber NXT on week one. For a point of reference, TNT aired the 2017 film Beauty and the Beast head-to-head with NXT last night, and 650,000 people watched it. So, like, <laughs> like, if you're like, that's what the base of TNT is? So, I'll go I'll go a million, then. I'll go a million. <laughs> I, I, I bullied him up. <laughs> no, I, I mean, that's... that's I, I, don't, I don't think it's gonna be as big of a needle mover as people think it is. I just no, I, don't. I, I, okay. I, I think the range is 800 to 1.2. Well, at one point, anything below 800 is a disaster. Yeah. Anything above 1.2 is phenomenal. And anything in the middle is my expectations. Yeah, I think it's going to be one of these things where you're going to have a certain Venn diagram of people who have goodwill both towards towards both shows. And it's going to it's going to show in the ratings, I think. I think the, the um, just as interesting question, though, is where does NXT end? Because, uh, not only is it going head to head with uh, AEW, two hours will probably drag that down a little. Yeah, I, I could see them hovering around the one million mark, maybe a little bit lower. Yeah, I, I think that I, I actually think AEW and NXT will sort of end up very neck and neck. At least after AEW has been on for a few weeks, and then NXT has kind of done what they're going to do to adapt. I think that I think we shouldn't really scoreboard watch until week four. And then we see, okay, who's going where and who's watching what regularly. I think that'll be the, uh, you know, the the new car smell will be off of AEW by then. We'll see if they can actually build stories from week to week. And we'll see if NXT can can uh, sustain a second hour. I think, I think four weeks from now we'll have a different conversation. I'm going to end the show there. Uh, you can't just you can re-air this show Crap four Game. weeks from now? You mean we have to tape a new one? Yeah, we will. We'll do that. Well, you know, Garrett will have been able to watch 800 hours of WWE programming by then and been able to find five minutes of good stuff. I'm actually working on Shake Them Ropes deep fakes, so now we don't even have to make new shows anymore. All this will just be done by AI. Yes, yeah, so we're going to program all the episodes of Shake Them Ropes into a computer and come out with a script. That'll be awesome. And it'll be me and Rob and you. Just kind of a merger of Rob and Mai's voice together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And just me bloviating yeah. on old school wrestling. Anyways, you can follow me at Crap Game 13. You can follow the show at Shake Them Ropes. You can follow Chris at Chris Novembrino. You can follow Garrett Kidney at Garrett Kidney, all one word. 
Who's going to do the plugs first? I think we should let our guests do it. Garrett, what do you have going on? As I said, you can follow me on Twitter. I, I do video game. I'm a cliche. I'm a, a white guy with brown hair who does video game reviews on YouTube. A, a very underrepresented genre. <laughs> Just search Garrett Kidney on YouTube. And maybe... Just maybe starting next week, you might hear a little more of me on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. So you can look forward to that too. That's a tease, not a plug. Nice. Don't worry.tv is the world's greatest politics podcast. Uh, and then also all in the family podcast, you can hear that as well. That's another show I do. Listen to them both. They're great. Good. And now that Garrett's going to be doing a show on Voices, uh, he can be the new co-host of Shake Them Ropes and I can retire. Spoiler alert. Everything is bad. Why do I have to watch this crap? <laughs> <laughs>